Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, we've been on this series called Preparing a Dwelling Place, and I want to jump right into it and get into what God wants to speak into our hearts today. Here at the Rhodes, we get excited when we open our Bibles. We don't apologize about it because we believe that the Word of God is our portion and it is still relevant in our everyday lives today. So we get a little excited when we open them up. So if you got your Bibles, come on, bring your Bibles. We believe in bringing our Bibles to church. We're bringing it back, going back to the Bible. Mount Carmel, Carlinville, North City, e family, let's get excited as we open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 29. Woo! Yeah, Exodus 29. People are like, what is going on? Just excited for Jesus. While you're turning there, sermon notes are available on the YouVersion Bible app if you'd like to check them out there. Note takers are world changers. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that I will just hear your voice and do what only you want to do. Say what you want said the way you want it said. I yield the floor to you. Teach us the word, Lord. Let it be a fire in our hearts that bring revelation and conviction that you be glorified. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, so let's jump into this here just a moment. I, I want to say this. We are, if you're familiar, if you're new to the church, then we are in the midst of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We started January 2nd, so this is the 14th. We are two-thirds of the way through, and we have been seeking the face of God and the presence of God. And I just want to encourage you as the leader, uh, I want to encourage you to finish strong that we don't uh, limp across the finish line over these next seven days, but we go full force after more of Jesus, that we're giving him more of our yes, not less of our yes. Not, you know, I'm getting tired, I'm just going to stop. No, press in even more. And this is my commitment to you. I feel this wholeheartedly in everything that I do here, that if whatever I ask our church to do, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to try and do it more than anybody else. Not for pride or arrogance, but I believe leaders should lead. I don't believe leaders should point. I don't think leaders should say, you people do this. I think leaders should be out front doing it and say, come, follow me. That's what Jesus did. He said, follow me as I show you the way, not as the when I tell you what to do. So I'm all in it. I'm going, I'm wanting this seven, these last seven days to give him more of a yes. I don't know what you're doing, but I just encourage you to press into his face. We're pursuing his presence. Maybe you're fasting one meal a day. Try fasting two. Maybe you're only eating one meal a day. Try and go a whole day. Whatever it is, you're just giving him the power of your yes. The strength of fasting is in the yes, not in the no. The no makes us disappointed, discouraged, and depressed. Because we keep thinking about what I want to have that I can't have. That's the power of the no. I can't wait till I can do that again. I'm not waiting for me to get to do something I can't do anymore. I'm pursuing something greater. And that's the power of the yes. Amen. So let's just do that as we close out. Preparing our hearts for 2022 and what God has in store for us and in store for our church, in store for our world. We need more of Jesus in our world and not less of him. Amen. Let's go for it. We're, we're pursuing uh, the power of his presence over ritualistic religion. And we're pursuing Jesus and true biblical Christianity over the churchianity that many have grown accustomed to. So we're going to address some things as we're talking about this. And I don't mean it to be um, attacking by any stretch because I'm not talking about those churches. I'm talking about our church. 
I'm not accusing other churches of being a certain way. God's addressing religion in my life and in our life. I don't know what others are going to do, but I know that God is talking to me about religion. And he's saying, Chad, if you will allow me, I'm going to shake up the ground of all your traditions. I'm going to break down the walls of all your religion and walk in the fullness of relationship with the glorious Jesus. Oh, he's beautiful. He is beautiful. I never used to be able to say that as a man. This feels weird. Jesus, you're beautiful. As a dude, I couldn't say that. I just couldn't get myself to say it, but now he's beautiful. I'm seeing his face, and it's wondrous to behold. So we're not, we're not pursuing a church that our goal is to get people to come, although we're thankful for people coming, but I want you to know the goal behind what we're doing, okay? When you come in here, I want you to know why we're doing Why do you worship the way you worship? Because we're pursuing the presence of a person that people need to encounter. Because I'm understanding under this, through this prayer and fasting, and we go through adversity and trial and difficulties. I know that people aren't coming. They don't need me. They need the miracle-working Jesus. They need the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. So we want you to encounter him. So we're, our invitation is for him to come. If you want to come, that's great. But we want him to come. And when he comes and you encounter him, that's when everything begins to change in your life. That's when people's lives are transformed. So that's what we're hungry for. We're hungry for more of him. We want to be a dwelling place for his presence. Have you found Exodus 29 yet? Man, I've given you a lot of time to find it. Exodus 29, verse 38. I'm only going to read one verse. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to say some things today uh, because of other things that God's challenged me. I'm not trying to get through sermons. God's given me the responsibility to create culture. So in order to create culture, we have to go over some things until they become revelation in your heart. Because here's what I know. Hearing something will never change me. But when something comes alive in my heart, that's when it brings transformation. And so uh, I'm going to go over some things today that maybe you've heard before. Maybe this is your first Sunday and you don't know anything about it. But for some of you that have been here and you've heard some things, here's again what I know. Something I've learned over... Let's see, I've been pastoring here almost 16 years. I've been preaching here for, this will be the 25th year coming up, and I've been preaching for 34 or 36 years of my life. Here's what I know. Most people will never listen to this sermon after today. And I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that's, most people hear a sermon and they say, I'll be back next week. That was good. Very few people take it and listen to it again, take notes and digest it till it becomes their sermon. Most people are satisfied with Chad's sermon or insert pastor. But the main, when it makes a difference in my life is when it becomes mine. And I can preach it to my coworker. I don't say, hey, you need to hear Chad said some good stuff. I don't remember any of it, man, it was good. <laughs> That's not when it's good. When it's good is when you say, here's what God spoke to me on Sunday. Now it's alive. That's when lives begin transformed. Have I read Exodus 29 verse 38 yet? <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. I've given you three things. Well, I haven't even got to three things yet, but I've, we've talked about three things in preparing a dwelling place for Jesus. 
Three things that it requires to create a dwelling place for Jesus. Now, let me throw this caveat in. When I'm talking about this today, and I'm talking about it in this series, this is not what is required for your salvation. This is what's required for creating a dwelling place for God to go further with God, sanctification, if you will, but pursuing more of him. Salvation requires nothing but our faith. Here's the formula for salvation. God's grace extended towards us. We had nothing to do with it. He chose us. We didn't choose him. The grace of God through my faith. And guess what? My faith even comes from him. I bring nothing to the table but a willingness to receive a gift. That's what's required for salvation. That's it. Don't doctor it up. Don't make it more. It's just saying, Jesus, I receive. The thief on the cross got to enter paradise by just saying, remember me when you come into your kingdom? Well, that's not the proper prayer. He didn't follow the Romans' road. He did not say, I repent, forgive me of my sins. If you don't say those words, you're not in. We've religiously created a formula that bypassed the heart and it became about this. And oh, don't preach there, Chad, just move on. So now, 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 hey, whew, I felt God jump on some leap. I felt just like Elizabeth when she met Martha, or met Mary, sorry. Hey, so flustered, I can't remember the Bible story. This, so what I am talking about, what I am talking about, get on with it, Chad. What I'm talking about, what we're after, is about pursuing a habitation of his glory and presence. So what is the Rhodes Church about right now? We're after pursuing a habitation of his glory and his presence. And this concept can be a little foreign in churchianity. Because you don't go to a lot of churches where you can say, hey, I just want to make sure the main goal here is to pursue the glory and the presence of God and create a habitation for him. That may not be the main priority of every church. And it doesn't matter. That's totally up to them. I'm just clarifying what our purpose is, what we are after, what we're pursuing. We want more of him. Hopefully I'm being clear. (laughs) So the first requirement in order to prepare a dwelling place for God is offering. Everybody say offering. He says, you shall offer on the altar. Offer just means you got to give him something. We offer our whole hearts and lives in worship to him. Please listen to prior sermons so I don't spend too much time on that. Number two, well, it hurts me to go on, but I'm going to go on. Number two, the second thing required for preparing a dwelling place is sacrifice. Sacrifice. He says we shall offer on the what? On the, on the, on the what? On the altar. We got 50%. On the what? On the altar. On the altar. What is the altar? An altar is a place of sacrifice. It's a place of dying. He says, I want you to offer your gift on the altar. It's going to involve some death. Biblical Christianity is not simply about praying a prayer, repeating some words, and hoping we're good enough people to go to heaven. That is religious churchianity. And I'm not coming at anybody about that. I'm just saying we're addressing what I believe biblical Christianity is, and this is what we're going after. So second place requires sacrifice. So I want you to go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew, I know we talked about the point number two, uh, but I need to talk about it again today. 
and maybe the next day, maybe the next, because I'm not trying to finish a series so that it will fit in a CD case. I'm trying to pursue the presence of God and build a culture of people that are hungry for more of Jesus. Are you hungry for him? Are you willing to follow after him with everything you have? And I tried to move off. I just had, all right, Lord, I'm just going to mention these two things and jump in, into the third one, which is consistency. And man, I can't wait to talk about consistency. It's going to be so good. But he said, hold on. I want you to hit this one again. I'm like, oh, well, we don't like to talk about that one. That's why I want you to hit it again. Because there's not enough preaching on the sacrifice, not enough preaching on the cost. We want, to talk, we want to be preached on the blessing and walking in the feel goods and tell me how I'm going to have a better week, Chad. Come on, come on, Pastor. Tell me why I need to come to church and, and be encouraged. I'll tell you why we need to come to church. We need to follow Jesus. All right, verse 24. You found that? 16, verse 24. Remember, bring your Bibles. We got the screens for one more week. I'm just kidding. We're going to, I'm going to reluctantly leave the screens. I know they're easier to read. And I can use my precious highlighter, so that's really nice too. Then Jesus said to his disciples, stay focused. If, <laughs> this is what Jesus said, this is in the red. Notice these next three words. If anyone desires, hold the phone, drop them up. If, Jesus was saying something so cool. He's, he starts out, if is a conditional statement. He says, if, if. Anyone desires. So God's saying this is not going to be everybody. Jesus is saying right here, not everybody's going to desire this. He's saying, I'm not even saying up front how many will. I'll just say, if anyone desires. This is where it comes against the Calvinistic theology that God's manipulating and controlling everyone who's going to become a Christian because Jesus said, if anyone desires. So it's not about him making you serve him. It's just him inviting you if you desire to serve him. If anyone desires to do what? To, what's these next words? Come after me. If anyone desires to come after me, come at, this is what we're doing. We're wanting to come after him. Yes, Want to pursue him. The words come after, two different Greek words. One of them means, come means to move towards something. And by definition, if it's moving towards something, you're moving away from something else. So Jesus said, if you desire to, here's what he's saying. Again, this is not about salvation. Like I got to come to him. He chose me before we chose him. But here's what he's saying. He said, if you desire to come after me, to pursue me and move away from everything else, here's what I want you to do. Here's part of the formula. Here's what it requires. To move towards me, to approach me, away from him. In other words, he's saying, I want to know that in, my, in your heart you have chosen me over something else. If anyone desires to come after, what's after mean? After, by definition, this Greek word means to get behind to follow as a leader. So we as a body, Jesus is inviting us to come after him, to follow him as our leader. We are coming after him. Look at your neighbor and say, we coming and we ain't back in death. <laughs> so now, in this verse, the words come after and the words follow me are synonyms in the Greek language. What does that mean? That means they mean similar things. 
Their definitions are similar. That's what a synonym is. So come after and follow me are synonyms. In between, sandwiched in between those two synonyms are two conditions. What does Jesus say? If anyone desires to come after me, let him do what to himself? Ooh, strong response. Thank you. I like that first time. Let him deny himself. That word deny, you know what it means? To refuse, reject, renounce, and disown. Here's the invitation. If you want to come after me, step one, deny you. Renounce you, reject you, and embrace me. Well, why would I do that? Because what I have for you is better than what you're hanging on to. So here's his, his desire for us. It's his, his invitation is to refuse our desires until his desires become my desires. Denying myself is not just telling me no. Denying myself is telling something else yes. When I choose his desires, his desires become my desires, that's when we begin to see answers to our prayers on a whole nother level because we're praying according to his desires instead of just asking him to bless our desires. Is this making sense to anybody? Whew. Refuse ourselves. Deny. Step number two. Hmm. Step number two, after we deny ourselves, he says to let him take up his cross. Deny himself and take up his cross. Now, Jesus is talking. He's using the pronoun his, so he's not talking about Jesus' cross. He's talking about our cross. Do you catch that? He's saying to us, if anyone desires to come after me, first thing, renounce your desires and embrace mine. Step one. Number two, Take up your cross. Now, wait a minute, Chad. I don't need to take up a cross. Jesus hung on the cross for me. Absolutely. His cross is the one that opened the door for salvation. I don't get saved by carrying my cross. His cross. What gets me born again is my belief in what he did on his cross for my sins. But after I'm born again, there's a process of coming after him that is not the moment that I get born again. Come on, who am I talking to? When he says, come after me, that's not an event. That's not a moment you put on the calendar and say, I remember when I came after him 25 years ago at that altar. Oh, where am I at? Where am I at? When he says, come after me, I just get excited. If I'm talking loud, it's because I'm happy. You know, I don't mean to be happy, uh, yelling. But I'm just saying. Thank you. When he says, come after me, it's an invitation into an ongoing relationship. It is not. Let me just tell you something. Salvation is not an event. It is not a moment in time. It is a relationship that should never end. So if you want to come after me, here's what you do. Deny yourself, 
and you take up your cross. My cross doesn't get me born again, but my cross, what does my cross mean? Here's what he means when he's, I mean, it could mean a lot of things. The Bible is infinite and inexhaustible, but let me just give you some things that I got out of it. You can apply however you want. The word take up means to lift something up and carry it away. He doesn't say lift it up and carry it a few feet and drop it. He didn't say lift it up and carry it for a season and then you can drop that bad boy. You can go back to the blessed life. He says, pick it up and carry it away. Take it. Steve had a great word this morning. He felt like God showed him that for us to take up his cross and to carry his cross, we have to put down everything else. I can't carry all the stuff I want and pick up my cross at the same time. Maybe I said his cross, but I meant ours. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, can't, I can't hold all my precious things that I want to keep in my life. I have to drop them and pick up the cross that I'm going to have to carry through my walk with Jesus. Like, I don't like that at all. I don't either. But it's still in the Bible. Here's what it meant. We have to be willing. Come on, hear this, saints. Oh, Jesus. We have to be willing to carry our cross. We have to be willing to endure hardship, pain, and suffering while we walk with Jesus. When he's saying, if you want to follow after me, here's something you need to have in your expectation. It's going to require you to deny yourself, and it's going to require you to carry a cross that means you will have to endure pain and suffering, sorrow and tragedy, tribulation, persecution. You will have to endure all those things if you follow me. Too many times in the church, we preached a crossless theology for the believer, and we preached message, messages that were focused on what we can do to get people to come. And make them feel better about themselves and make them feel better about what they're doing. Instead of leading them to a cross and saying, die at the foot of that cross, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Because that doesn't appeal to many as much. So here's the formula. He says, when we deny ourselves, when we deny ourselves, take up our cross, only then is he saying, we will now be able to do the next part, which is follow me. Here's the instructions. If you desire, because I'm saying this to all of us today. I'm not pointing out other people. I'm pointing to myself because God's speaking to me. I'm receiving from this message. So, Chad, if you want to come after me, again, that's not a one-time thing. If you want to stay with me, stay with me on the, my heels where I'm going. Everywhere I go, you want to be after me? If you want that, then here's what you're going to do. You've got to continually deny yourself. Yeah, deny myself. Why? Because I want what you have. I'm laying my desires down because I want your desires. Because your desires for me are life and life more abundantly. I can't beat life and life more abundantly. Secondly, I'm going to take up my cross. And then I'll be able to follow him. Here's what follow means. Oh, Lord, bring revelation here. Drop a bomb in their skull right now in the name of Jesus. Nope, nope, drop it lower. Drop it in their heart in Jesus' name. The word follow, you ready for this? This Greek word means to follow. Or, I'm just kidding, that was kind of... To accompany someone who takes... Listen to this wording. To accompany someone. Do you know what it means to accompany? 
means you don't leave them. If I'm accompanying you somewhere, I'm with you. I can't say I'm accompanying you and I stay at the house and you go somewhere else. I'm not accompanying you anymore. He says, if anyone wants to follow after me, it's going to involve an accompaniment staying with him. And so he says, you accompany someone who does what? Someone who takes the lead, oh Jesus, in determining direction and route of movement. Mm. So here's the question that I felt like God asked me. And I believe it's to pass on to the people. How do I know if I'm a follower of Jesus? Is it because something I did at a certain point in my life as an event? Does that mean I'm a follower of Jesus? If follower means someone who accompanies someone right with them, right beside them, who that other person takes the lead in determining direction and route of movement. Here's the million dollar question for us. Am I follower of Jesus? I'm not trying to debate on what your eternity is. That's between you and Jesus. That's far above my pay grade. I'm not trying to debate that. What I'm trying to debate right now, are we accompanying him and are right now in this moment in my life, am I a follower of Jesus? Because, here's the question, how do I know whether I'm a follower of Jesus? Who is determining the direction and route of movement in my life? Am I determining the direction and the route of movement in my life? If I'm making decisions without prayer, without seeking the face of God, guess who's determining my direction, my route of movement? It is me. Oh, this is where it gets itchy. But Jesus said, if you want to come after me, I want you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Let me be the one who determines your direction and your route of movement. And I saw this. I saw people at a Y in the roads. And then that moment right there in the Y, that they go one way or another, in that moment, Jesus is inviting you to allow him to be the leader to determine your direction or your route of movement. What determines my direction, my route of movement? Is it my job? Is it my spouse? Is it my money? What is it? Is it, is it, is it something I'm affiliated with? Is it, is it a corporative thing? Is it a political thing? What determines my direction or my route of movement? Whenever I'm in a crisis, when I'm in a con- conflict, whenever I, I'm in a moment and I've got to respond, in that moment of my response, that my words are getting ready to come out of my mouth, in that moment... Who determines my direction, my route of movement, my flesh, or the Spirit of God? I'm not saying I knock it out of the park. Sometimes I swing and miss. A couple days ago, I swung and missed. Picked. And I came in a moment, in that moment I felt the pressure, and my flesh was just going crazy. And all this stuff was going in my head, and I just wanted to say everything that's in my head. Just wanted to say it all and get it. And I, did, I didn't say what I wanted to say, but I kept it in. And then what I did, pray for me. Why do I expose my garbage? I want people to know that I'm a man in need of a Savior just like you are. That you're not here for me, 
we're here for him. And so I kept, I kept all of it in. And so what did I do? I had an internal argument. That's what I should have said. Oh, if I'd have said that, I felt, oh, I could have added that. Oh, yeah, I could have, oh, I could have said, I could have, I had that. And it kept me up in the night. And I realized, Lord, I didn't die to my flesh. I didn't let you determine my direction, my route of movement. I let my flesh determine my direction, my route of movement. He says, if you want to follow me, look at this. Let me read off. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever desires to lose his life for my sake will find it. What are we supposed to do if we're going to follow Jesus? We've got to lose our life. This is foreign to many in the church. It's so much so it's uncomfortable to hear. People are like, are you telling me I've got to come and die to my desires? Yes. Yes. But let me tell you something. Here's the encouraging part. You get him. I promise you he's better than you. I promise you he's better than me. Whenever I choose him, what do we say? Your way is better. That's more than a song. It's a reality. If I will die to my flesh and choose his way, even in that moment, and just do what he tells me to do, his way is better. But preparing a dwelling place means we have to be willing to lose our life. Most people say, well, I don't want to lose my life. I just want God to bless my life, silly. Right? That's churchianity. Churchianity is I want to sit in here and I want to come to church. I want to be a pretty moral good person and I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. Make sure my ticket's punched. Make sure I'm in. But I'm telling you as somebody who's hungrier for God now than I ever have been in my life. It is more than a moment. It's more than a single encounter. It's a person. It's, it's him. I want him in me. I want me out, and I want him in. I want my desires out, and I want his desires in. And I've got a long way to go, but I want him more. This is what the invitation is to us all, to follow him. Let me close with this. Go to Matthew chapter 20, just a couple pages to the right. Breaking open the new Bible still. Preparing, preparing a dwelling place for the presence of God requires sacrifice. Next week, maybe we'll get into consistency. So come expecting. Matthew chapter 20. Anybody ready to sacrifice? for? That's a rhetorical question. I don't expect you. I know the right answer to say to the preachers, amen, yes, me too. But prepare yourself. Listen. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mother, this is a story about the mother of Zebedee's sons. This is James and John. All right. Remember Peter, James, and John, the inner circle, the inner three? This is James and John. And notice that the mother is coming. The mother of Zebedee's sons came to him, being Jesus, with her sons. Now, now make sure you understand this about the Bible. These are not toddlers. These are not teenagers, preteens. These are grown men, adult males. And mama is leading them to Jesus. I believe that this mama was a strong woman. I believe she had a heart for the things of God and a heart for her children. So here comes James and John. Can you imagine them coming beside her when they walk up? I mean, we've got their head down. You know, <laughs> that's my mom. mom. Mom said, come. She probably said, James and John, come here. We're going to Jesus. <laughs> Praise God for mothers like that who takes their kids to the feet of Jesus. Oh, Lord. Let's preach on. So now, came to him with her sons, kneeling down. 
kneeling down. And they asked something from Jesus. And Jesus said to her, what do you want, mama? What do you wish? She said to him, grant or allow, permit that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now, check this out. Notice, she's not asking Jesus to make sure her sons go to heaven. She's asking him for a certain spot to sit in heaven. She's already confident they're going to be in his kingdom. She's talking on a rewards level now. She said, Jesus, I'm just asking to my boys, James and John, set one on your right hand, one on your left when you come into your kingdom. That's a big ask. <laughs> Jesus answered and said, uh, Mama, you don't know what you ask. You don't know what you're asking for. It's the same thing when Jesus said that a wise person counts the cost before they build something. So he said, you don't know what you ask. And then he doesn't talk to mama, he talks to the boys. He looks at them and he says, are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? He's not talking about being born again. He's not talking about getting into heaven. He's talking about, are you ready to pay the price? Do you want to set one on my right hand or one on my left? Are you ready to pay the price for that? Are you ready to be baptized into what I'm about to be baptized in? What was he talking about? He's talking about the cross. He wasn't talking about, he didn't say, hey, James and John, yeah, I'm going to do all that for you. You don't sweat a thing, man. Come on in. It's going to be a piece of cake. No, no, no. He says, be careful what you ask for. Are you able to be baptized into me? They said, we are able. He said, okay. You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared, for by, prepared by my Father. A lot of times we'll pray this prayer. Maybe it's a scripture you've heard before. Philippians chapter 3 says this. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Power. Know him. Power of his resurrection. Please keep reading. We stop there. We stop there. Because the Bless Me Club doesn't like this part of the scripture. It says, and... <laughs> The fellowship of his being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul is saying, Jesus, I want to know you, and I, know the, I want to know the power of your resurrection, and the fellowship of your sufferings, that even if I die, I will attain to the resurrection of the dead. I'll close with this thought. I have had a continual struggle in my walk with Jesus in this context. I have kept praying for and seeking, pursuing a season, a moment, a time, a place where I would no longer feel like I'm struggling. 
I'm like, Lord, when am I going to get through this so I can arrive at that place where I'm no longer struggling with issues? When, when, when am I going to get my breakthrough? <laughs> oh, yes, Jesus. When, when am I going to get to that place where I'm no longer struggling with thoughts or struggling to obey you and struggling with my flesh? When, when is that day going to come, Lord? How come I haven't experienced that? And through this prayer and fasting time, he's just reminding me, Chad, you are seeking something that will not be found on this side of glory. You're searching for a gospel that I did not preach to you. I preach to you fellowship with my sufferings. Take up your cross. As long as you're here on this earth, there will be tribulations and persecutions. So the invitation today is this. Are we following Jesus? Do you want to follow him? Do you want to come after him? Maybe you came after him for a time and then you got into this, what we like to call in Christianese terms, a tough season. Now there's legitimate application to that, but I'm just saying, sometimes we come into a tough season and we unplug when God tells us to press in. Mm. And that will be in consistency, step three. We'll talk about that next week. But I'm just saying that God's inviting us to follow after him, to come after him, not in a moment, not just in the good times, not just when I understand it, not when just when things are going my way, but to take up my cross, to lay everything down and say, Lord, as long as I'm on this earth, I will carry the cross of being willing to do whatever it takes to follow you. Are you willing? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.